Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're going to need each other. Hello, dearie. Okay. I'm... Yeah, it's hard to. You have to say certain words like "mother." You have "mother." <laughs> you have to like. It really is a really hard it. accent. It's, it's hard. A really mother. Not <laughs> Natalie Portman couldn't even do it properly. So who are you, Mitha, to get it proper? Well, that's Jackie. That's different. Drew Barrymore does a good job <laughs> doing no, it. Drew Barrymore does, but I mean that whatever that like Hyannisport, like whatever accent we're talking whatever about, doing. Like, whoever, whoever they, they are. are, I've never yeah. been and like I've never been able to figure out like where it comes from. I don't know. It's like it's a mix of like French with like uh, Rhode Island. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. And so like anyway, Jackie New has England, a more Jackie of. does have the same accent or had the same accent, but it was a little bit more refined. It was regal. Yeah. But it still was like this. Well, yeah. <laughs> kind of like mother. mother. It was kind of like Jennifer says. Coolidge, actually. No. A little <laughs> bit, if you think about world. it. Yeah. I can't do Coolidge. That's just too hard. But um, hi. How's it going? <laughs> I am living and breathing. Oh, Mitha, I kept something from you. Um, why are you keeping secrets? <laughs> because it's just funner to tell you in the podcast. That's all. You're so duplicitous. You know I tell you the big things. Okay. Tell me. What's happening? I went to the movies on Saturday. Oh, my gosh. Wait. After we went? Yeah. The next day. (laughs) (gasps) Betrayal. I know. Oh, I forgot. We went to the movies. Yeah. (laughs) And we were supposed to talk about it. Hence why I put in our itinerary Nadim and Mita at the movies. I just read Mita at the movies. Yes. Okay. Which one should we talk about first, Nadim? I think we'll talk. Well, I saw uh, Free Guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you like it? I thought it was cute. I thought it right? was like exactly what it was supposed to be, but yeah. Ryan Reynolds cannot act. Yeah, he's just Ryan Reynolds. He plays one role, and he plays it really well. Really but well. he plays one role. Mm-hmm. Sarcastic douche. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sarcastic douche with a heart of gold. But I, I wasn't really like interested in him. Once I saw the movie, I was more interested in like the Jodie Comer yeah. and the um, I'm forgetting him, but he's from Stranger, Stranger Things. Things. Yeah. Those characters, because yeah. the plot of the movie went in a direction that I wasn't expecting at all. Like, I didn't yeah. think that that's what this was about. I thought this was more about Ryan Reynolds' character. I also thought it was impressive for a movie to have so much exposition and still, like, you understood the plot without having to, like, explain everything constantly. Yeah. Like, it really did. It took a while to understand, but they were very confident in how it was made. Mm-hmm. So, like, it was, it was fine. Oh, also... One of the only movies I've ever seen where I can justify the 3D. Right? Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. That's it. Yeah. There you like, go. I, okay. I don't want to spoil for you guys. I would spoil like... like I would see it because there's nothing else playing. In another year, I don't know if this would have gotten the same Be traction. Be a theater pick? Yeah. yeah. It's definitely a really good like Sunday movie too yeah. if you want to kick back and watch something fun because I'll give you that. It is fun to watch and like after a year and a half of not watching anything in the movie theater, it's kind of nice to see mm-hmm. something that's like really vibrant and entertaining. Absolutely. And more importantly, it's original. Mm-hmm. It's clever. It's original. They try something. Yeah. And so for that and that alone, it deserves your attention. Yeah. But speaking of original, Mita. Ah! <laughs> guys, Mita and I went to the movies together. Yes. 
together. We sat in the same theater, but I made us sit a seat apart from one another. Yeah. My purse needs its own seat. Like I, I could don't have had the seat on the other side too, for the record. Fair. But I just I wanted that fine, divide. Fine, fine. I felt comfortable with it and I shared my Twizzlers with you. you did. So I appreciate yeah. that. But yes, Mita and I decided to go see Candyman. Candyman. Can I share candy? Can. The Candyman can. That's what I was thinking the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> we were, yeah. So for the record, Mita and I actually have talked about this because we were like, what do we do? Do we not talk about it and wait until recording? Or, But we'll talk about, I guess, the experience of going, of going to see a movie to... together because Mita and I have never seen a movie together. It's true. This is the first time. And it was it was going to be so good because like right up until like five minutes before the movie started, it seemed as though we were going to be the only two people yeah. in this theater. And then we're like, man, we should have brought like our recording equipment. That would have been so entertaining. <laughs> so we could record during it. But then other people decided to go see it too. So they ruined it. They, did. they totally ruined it. But I do have a fun story. <laughs> so Nadim went to go to the washroom and to get his snacks and in that time other people came into the theater <laughs> and sat down but it's a dark theater so i'll give you that but he came back from getting his snacks and sits down and just starts like speaking at his normal, normal volume. Yep. <laughs> asking me questions i'm like do you not know that there's other people in here? and i was like no i did not and then i instantly <laughs> lowered my volume because i respect the theater yeah but i laughed really hard <laughs> In my mind. So you actually, I had never seen Candyman. And I know mm. you hadn't either, but you no. went and saw it. The original, you, I mean. The, like you oh, went and saw okay. the original, the 1980s one. I guess we went and saw it together. I had actually <laughs> didn't realize this was a sequel. I did not either. So this is what happened. We we watched Candyman, and we're not going to go into details of the plot because it is really new. Yeah. We watched it, and I, I'll just say that I was underwhelmed by it. Yes, that is the exact I you, word I would use. Yeah. You feel the same way. Mm-hmm. And then as I do with any movie I go see, I then immediately go on time, DV, and look up a bunch of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I was seeing that they were, like, referencing the 1992 Candyman. And one of the, like, trivia facts was just, like, this movie is going to be similar to, like, how Halloween, the 2018 one was, mm-hmm. where they're just forgetting, like, all of the Candyman sequels that have happened since 1992 mm-hmm. till now. Um, and it's sort of like a fresh new take. I was not aware of the 1992 Candyman or any of the other movies that followed it. So then I went 1992. It wasn't the 80s. It wasn't the 80s. It was 92. Okay. And then I went and tried to see where I could find it, and it's on Crave. Mm. So the next day, I watched the 1992 Candyman, and it put the new movie into a lot of perspective for me. So my suggestion, if you're thinking about going to watch it, is to watch the 1992 version. Um, and then watch the new one. I think it definitely helps. But what I don't think is great is that none of the marketing for this new one had said to go do that. Yeah. And so as a viewer, I was just like left underwhelmed by your movie because I don't understand parts of it. Yeah. And as a movie itself, it is just quite underwhelming. And you also, this was supposed to come out last? I think last year. Last year? Yeah. You've had a year to like tell me go watch this other know, movie. Yeah. Why haven't or maybe I missed it, but I don't think I did I miss it. So. Like I didn't see anything until I looked up that trivia. So kind of disappointing. Yeah. Overall, I think I like Jordan Peele and I like what he's trying to do with black horror, let's call it. Mm-hmm. But it's this is hard to talk about without giving too much away and I'm not gonna give too much away. I'd also just like to see something different. 
Yeah. You know? Like, I think a fresher take on it. Yeah. Yeah. The message is good, and it's good to get those things out there, but you need, like, a fresh, different take on it now. You've done this. You've done Get Out. You've done Us. Yeah. Let's get something And I think Us was actually very clever at it. Like, Us wasn't as, like, on the nose. Get Out was so on the nose. It was, like, insanely on the nose, but that was the appeal of it. Mm Mm-hmm. And Us was a little bit more clever. This is just, start, it's starting to feel repetitive. Yeah. And I think the danger with that is your message is so good that you don't want the medium to get boring so people aren't paying attention to the message. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. The 1992 Candyman is not great either. I'll put that yeah, out that's there. Fair. It's not it, a great horror movie. It's very 1992. <laughs> but it stars Virginia Madsen. And uh, I like her. She's a good time. Yeah, she's, a, she's a good time. She's no Amanda Peet, but oh god, she's a good time. how is that? <laughs> why did that even show up in this conversation? Because I love Amanda Peet. Uh, we know this. We do know this. <laughs> she's so good. But Mitha, yeah. Enough about the Candyman. <laughs> the Candyman. Huh? I know. I feel like that's how they would say it. Candyman. Oh, maybe. Maybe. I think we should stop doing the accent because it's really bad. It's really bad. Yeah. And I can't do it. And it's hard. But uh, enough of that. We did watch. <laughs> <laughs> we watched something else. We did. Mita, we watched one of your movies this week. Yes. This week, I picked the original 1975 documentary, Grey Gardens. Yes. yes. Which is super exciting. Nadine, would you like to tell our listeners the plot? Of Grey Gardens. I will. So IMDb describes Grey Gardens as Meet a mother and daughter, high society dropouts, reclusive cousins of Jackie O, managing to thrive together amid the decay and disorder of their East Hampton, New York mansion, making for an eerily ramshackle echo of the American Camelot. Who wrote that? Because it's terrible. I don't terrible. know who wrote it. It's wordy. It's there's extremely a lot, wordy. There's a lot of words there. It's still like... To the heart of it, that is what you're taking a look yeah. at. But I feel like it's like to like look at what we did. Yes. Whereas I think it would be nice if it was just like this is a documentary about these two women. Yeah. And just watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll talk about why. Like <laughs> <laughs> usually you do a little. There's intro. a weird gap, but yeah. yes, meet that why. So we I, okay. I love a documentary. I've made that clear. Already, but I I showed you a true crime documentary earlier Mm -hmm. in the season, but I love just like a regular documentary as well. And when I was trying to pick my list, I wanted one, something obviously that you had never seen before, but something that has such like a lasting impression on pop culture. Mm -hmm. And I think we've talked about how you have seen, I can't remember the year, but HBO did like a a movie, a film that was about the making of Grey Gardens and it starred Jessica Lange and um, Drew Barrymore and they won a lot of awards for it and it is really well done and it's a good movie so you should check it out it's on Crave you had seen that before and enjoyed it but I had asked you like had you ever seen the original source material like Grey Gardens and you hadn't and so I was like oh this is an opportunity for you to experience something that not many people have Mm -hmm. and I feel like especially in today's world they should yeah and so I I immediately put it on the list and got really excited about when we were gonna watch this (laughs) good no I thought it was a a good choice because it was it's much like Goodwill Hunting 
This was mm-hmm. not a movie I would have watched myself, but I was really interested to watch it. Yeah. I was looking forward to it. I've had a busy week, so it was a little difficult for me to get to. So I actually only finished it. We were supposed to record yesterday. Today is Tuesday, September 14th. We were supposed to record it on the 13th. I actually only finished it on the 12th. So it was a little end-to-end. However, because we were recording a day late, I actually managed to watch Grey Gardens with Drew Barrymore and Jessica Lange yesterday. Oh, nice. For a little perspective. That's good. Okay, I was planning on doing that, and then I just didn't. Okay. <laughs> Do you remember it? Nope. <laughs> I think it's interesting. I watched the trailer. <laughs> yeah, that's a good yeah. idea. I think that definitely yeah. helps out. So where do you even begin to talk about Grey Gardens? Yeah, like, okay, I I want to start with, like, okay, so the thing that kind of, not warms my heart, but I always think, so the, did you ever watch Gilmore Girls? No, not like, okay. I never, I like, know Gilmore Girls and I've seen episodes, but never, like, seasons. There is an episode of Gilmore Girls, and I think it's, like, the cold opening of the episode. Lorelai and Rory are sitting on a couch, and they're watching Grey Gardens, and they're just talking about Big Edie and Little Edie. Mm-hmm. And they're just saying like, oh, like they were so beautiful in their in their prime and like they were they're strong women and they're talking like really positively about them. And then they're then they move into the conversation of how like negative their lives are. And then they realize like if we don't it's a Friday night and we're sitting and watching Grey Gardens. If we don't go out, we're going to become big Evie <laughs> and little Evie. And to me, that's always my reflection when I start and finish Grey Gardens. <laughs> it's like, like a cautionary tale. Exactly. Like I, you know, when I watch it, I'm just like in awe of who these two women are mm-hmm. and what they represent. Because the other aspect of this that I, I really enjoy is like Camelot and the yeah. Kennedys. And like the Bouviers and the Kennedys and the Radzi Wills and sort of like all of that mm-hmm. is really interesting to me. And I like that that time in history. And so to see these two like recluse cousins of Jackie mm-hmm. just living their lives and, you know, realizing that everything that might seem perfect or is always something behind the scenes that isn't perfect. Mm-hmm. I always get that like sense memory of like, oh, my God, if I don't do something like literally I was watching Little Edie this time and I was like, I read out of astrology books. <laughs> i like dancing around too like i'm gonna turn into her i need to start doing with something with myself and so i kind of like to put it on when i need to like push myself to get out of a bad habit but i don't think that that was actually necessarily the intention when this was made yeah um how did you feel when you were watching it it's such an interesting film because it's there's no narrative like even for a documentary Mm -hmm. that's it's not there's no story to follow there's no like there it's really just a snapshot of an hour and a half snapshot of these two women and you kind of get a sense of who they are Mm -hmm. and I think they do a really great job of giving you an idea of like who they are and what like the day-to-day must look like yeah I think for me the the issue was I enjoyed watching it but I don't actually have much to say because mm-hmm. there isn't there isn't like a story. It isn't like oh this plot point or this plot point. I do actually. I have thoughts, but I'm I'm struggling to come up with more. I think meat, because yeah. I find the documentary itself. It's almost it's shallow, and that isn't mm-hmm. a even an insult to it. I think it's. I think for the documentary, what they were trying to do and what they were trying to portray, they do do it. They do it very yeah. well. They're not trying to tell a story. They're not trying to explain Camelot or anything about, you know, the Kennedys or Jackie O or anything like that. They're just trying to say, here are two women who are were from high society that have fall from grace, and this is currently what they're living. And 
when the documentary is actually most interesting are when Big Edie and Little Edie are at each other. Yeah, like when they're fighting. When they're fighting is watching those kind of interactions with them. And it was mm-hmm. interesting because I watched this and I didn't intend on watching Grey Gardens, the, the, the film. But when I watched it, it actually puts a lot of the documentary into perspective. And it made me realize that the documentary is quite difficult to walk into. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of background you almost need like a lot of background to understand Uh, yeah I felt that like they talk a lot about people for instance there's a lot of like sorry sorry there's Big Edie Little Edie there's a lot of talk about Big Edie's husband and the man she was having an affair with and like things like that and then Little Edie has a lot of like suitors and there was men she was dating and there was a man she wanted to date but her mother didn't and there was there's talk and there's words and there's names and it's hard to put like it's hard to connect and remember who we're talking about. But when you watch the movie, you're like, oh, that's Mr. Gould. And that was the relation. And that's what, ha-. you know what I mean? Like, it yeah. was easier to connect those dots because maybe it was because you had the visual of it. But in those kind of sequences, I was getting lost. Like, when they're just talking about, like, what happened with these men, There's this, they have a really long sequence, like, early on where they're mm-hmm. in their weird room talking where I, I felt myself drifting and I felt myself drifting a few times okay. but when I was brought back are again the like confrontation that one confrontation that they have in the room is like very interesting to watch mm-hmm. I think so I have two points to that first is like we need to remember like when this was made and it was 1975 and I don't documentaries weren't what they are now right so they're not going to have like all that narration there isn't going to be sort of that driving force behind it and like did you read up about how this actually got made yes like it was meant to be about someone else and then yeah yeah. so lee radziwill who is jackie kennedy's sister yes she hired these the two directors of this documentary to follow her life and to like take a look at the radziwill family Mm -hmm. and that documentary fell through but while they were doing like all the research for it, they met with little Edie and Big Edie and they were just like fascinated yeah. with them for the obvious reasons. And so then they've decided to go and just follow them. And I think like, you know, this is in a time where that kind of wasn't a thing. And as I was watching it, I was like, this is kind of like the start of reality television in a way. In a way, yeah. Yeah. Like I, I think looking at people's lives and you know, realizing that they're not what they seem Mm -hmm. and following along and kind of having that enjoyment out of it. I found that what you said about like being sort of deterred from it because you didn't have that background background information interesting because like from my perspective, what I like about this, like I wouldn't say this is something you go sit and watch in a movie theater. Mm -hmm. Like I don't think like once you've seen it a few times, yes, go and do that. But if it's something that you're watching for the first time, the thing I like is like, actually being able to pause it yeah look up this information find out about it like this is how i like to learn about history i don't like sitting in a classroom yeah. setting and having someone speak to me like i want to watch it actually happen and then like look up those things and we live in a world now where you i can do that do yeah. those things um and so i think it's really interesting for people today to be able to do that and maybe not back then and i kind of was wondering like as you said i was like i wonder what people did back then mm-hmm. like in the 70s if they didn't know about you know the kennedys and they didn't know about all this family history in but, many yeah. ways i think but like what you're saying is right. Like, I don't think the documentary filmmakers were there to be like, you need to know these details to understand this story. That wasn't mm-hmm. it because their focus was these two women. Yeah. And 
I think you really do de- de- develop like an interest in them. My wife watched like half of it and she's just like, this is hard to stop watching because it's so right. like there really is. They're so interesting as people. And it is it is watching a train wreck, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But it leads so many questions. Prime being, A, I don't think you actually see how bad the situation got and, yeah. because this is after their house was raided. Yeah. So, and this is, this is again, what I gleaned spoiler from. Alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but this is what I gleaned from the film is that the film actually was filmed and released after the house had been raided and then allegedly cleaned. Mm-hmm. My big question, and I cannot for the life of me come to a conclusion, is how do you let your life get to this? And that's what I think is so powerful about this is that mental health was not something people talked about yeah. when this was released and when this was made. And I don't think people were able to wrap their minds around it. But now we've had television shows like Hoarders and we know that like it can get to that point and it's really sad and disturbing, but it does get there. And I just like, why wasn't there anything for these two women is what I always question when I watch it. Like they, they have support? all the, hmm? in terms of support, in terms of support, they have all the resources in the world at that time. Yeah. And like, why was well, nobody they? stepping in? And why? They really didn't. They didn't have any money. They were poor by that point. They, But they had family that had money. Yeah. They had family that had money and like a name that could do something. And where were the sons? I don't know. Where were <laughs> the sons? They got married and yeah. forgot about the 80s. Yeah. Oh, the 80s. <laughs> it's interesting because when you watch the film, the other thing I really thought was interesting was the documentary kind of hints at some things. It hints at, and it hints only because you're not inferring anything, right? You're seeing what you're seeing, and the rest Mm -hmm. of it is left up to you. And you're kind of left with this idea that Big Edie essentially held Little Edie back. That Little Edie's life could have been very different if Big Edie hadn't been who she was. And the film really drives that point home. Like, it's Mm -hmm. really meant to be that, like, she was was actively the reason Little Edie's life ended up like this. Whereas, I think if Little, like, Big Edie hadn't interfered as much, then... Little lady. Little lady could have had a very different life. Very she different could have life. been the first lady. She could have been the first lady. And that's where I think that comes from. And that uh, the the movie does a really good job of balancing love hate. Yeah. Like this is this is a mother daughter relationship. It's mother daughter relationship. It's mother daughter yeah. relationship. You love this person. You support them. But they have ru- she has ruined her life. Yeah. And they she have knows such a it. hold on you. Yeah. And, then, and that's what I find so fascinating about their arguments is that they both know that they're in the wrong. But they're, neither one of them are willing to give it up. But what did little Edie do? What was she in the wrong for? I mean, she could stand up for herself and say, like, no, mother, I'm not going to do this. But at this point, at this yeah. point, did I mean like the documentary, not 2021. At this point, when we're watching the documentary, if little Edie leaves, her mother will die. I think there are maybe aspects of her life, though, like they they didn't need to get to this point of being in this home and in the East Hampton that they haven't taken care of. Like at some point, somebody could have said, hey, we need to do something here. Like maybe we shouldn't be feeding the raccoons that are in our attic. Like, oh, my gosh, I love and hate that scene. Because like who like, okay, so to let our listeners Mm -hmm. know, spoiler alert, but there's a scene in which little Edie They are fully aware there are raccoons in their attic. And she goes upstairs and she puts out a loaf of bread. Yeah. And she purposely says, she's like, I don't leave the plastic of the loaf of bread anymore because then I have to clean up the plastic. (laughs) (laughs) She puts out the loaf of bread and then she puts like kibble on it on top of the loaf of bread and she just lets the raccoons. Yeah. In their attic, eat it. 
eat it. Yeah. Then there's a point where she's like feeding their cats. They have like a hundred cats oh, in God, this yeah. house. My worst nightmare. And she's like feeding them cat food, and I'm pretty sure she eats. It. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm wondering, like, did, is that where Showgirls got it from? They love doggy chow. Doggy chow. No, I don't think so. There's actually a great line, and I don't know if you've ever seen. You have the new adventures of old Christine. Uh, parts of it. Like, yeah. I haven't seen series front to end. There's a, a scene where old Christine, played by the amazing Julia Louis-Dreyfus, is telling her ex-husband they need money. And she's like, we're eating dog food, Richard. And I'm not talking about the good kind. <laughs> <laughs> or cat food. It's one or the other, but it's an ama- the, it's a yeah. great scene. I They're highly the Edies. The Edies, yeah. uh, But yeah, it, oh it definitely... God, so sad. It was really sad to watch. It was definitely really... Uh, again, and you, you got the sense that like... Their lives could have been so different. And I ended up really hating Big Edie because she's gross and she's she's very unlikable as a as a person. And she's played very well by Jessica Lang, because I find Jessica well. Lang very unlikable too as a person. Oh really? Yeah. I find she mm-hmm. plays she's kind of bitchy and she plays a bitch really well. She does. And I think it's because But maybe she's that's because she's the opposite. Like she's known to be such a talented actress. Maybe she's like not a bitch. Maybe. And that's very yeah. that's very possible. The, but she could be too. <laughs> I think this kind of blends into the big question. At the time and especially afterwards, there's a lot of questions about the how ethical this movie was. Yeah. Do we feel like the Bouvier the Beale Bouviers were exploited? Exploited and whether their mental health had been completely ignored. Ignored. Well, again, at that time, I don't, I don't, I I mean, I don't know, because I wasn't there in the 70s. But I don't think the conversation of mental health was in the atmosphere. And people actually knew, this is what it means. And I think if anything, people would would see this and say, those two women are crazy, let's have them committed. And then you go into like, possibly doing like electroshock therapy, and like all these other, you know, different things that they were exploring at that time and didn't quite understand that these two women actually needed help outside of that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they needed like medication to actually be helped. Um, and so, you know, I am glad that they didn't commit them and they didn't sort of like yeah. banish them. But I was trying to read up. I didn't have the time to do the research of like what happened to little Edie afterwards because Big Edie died shortly after yeah. this was released and so they sold, she was 81 she sold the house yes she sold Grey Gardens and then she went to Florida to Ben Bradley she yeah. sold it to ben, that, I, I like that fact but. she sold it and then she moved to Florida and then she lived out her live life mm-hmm. as a kind of gay icon I think oh really yeah not like an icon yeah I mean icon. I get it I think she like post posthumously she's a lot more popular but yeah because she died, what, in, like, the early 2000s? Something like that. Like that? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. But then, like, nothing about her cousins in that time. Because, like, Lee Radziwill died recently, like, in the last... She was clearly not close few. to those people. Like, these women were no. not close to Jackie's family. Like, yes, they her Jackie Onassis the... and Big Little Edie are first cousins, yeah. but they're not close. I can't remember in the movie, but do they make it seem like they are? No. Isn't there a scene with Jackie Kennedy? There's a scene where Jackie and Little Edie are children. Or like oh. little, I think Jackie is a child and Little Edie played by Drew Barrymore has been to be a teenager. Yeah. To show that like Jackie would spend like summers at Grey Gardens when Grey Gardens was in its like heyday. And then Jackie, after Jack's death comes to see because she had been hearing that the place was falling apart. Oh, okay. And so, and... It's always so difficult because 
you're watching this and this is I think the most difficult aspect of this because the documentary happened everything mm-hmm. in the documentary happened the fictional movie didn't happen but the fictional movie gets context to the documentary but the mm-hmm. fictional movie isn't real that we know of that we know of no but <laughs> you right. know what I mean like how, some of it must be real some of it must be accurate and some of it must be inaccurate and yeah. like we don't really know which side is which I like to guess. <laughs> so how much do you think is accurate from that movie? Uh, well, I can't. I haven't watched the movie in a while, so I can't really speak mm-hmm. to it. But um, I could do it for homework if you want me to. <laughs> no, it's okay. You don't have no, to. No, it's fine. But I think the the documentary is the proof in the pudding. Like this is really what was going on with these two women, mm-hmm. and there wasn't anybody there to help them. And like when we talk about sort of like, is this actually exploitation? I think. I think the resources at that time, like if if it was filmmakers today, I would be like, what are you doing? Stop production. Like, it's kind of like when you hear about sort of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes of like The Bachelorette and The Bachelor with the producers, where they like egg on these people to kind of like get them to do the craziest shit. But if this was them today, I'd say like, this shouldn't be made. But at that time, I don't think they quite fully understood what was going on there. And maybe the first few times that they saw Big Edie and Little Edie, they just thought like, oh my gosh, this one's like, she's putting like a scarf on her head and wearing, you know, a top as a skirt. Like it's a riot. And not really understanding that like, no, this woman needs help. Like they need assistance. But did they? I think think that's the question. Like, was it mental health? The way they were living, when your house gets to that kind of a state, I don't know what else it could be. Maybe you're just gross. I don't think that that's, I think it, like, I get that way sometimes, too. Like, I can get really, my room can get really messy. Like, right now, it's not that bad. Yeah. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm showing a theme. Right now, it's, like, pretty good. Yeah. But, like, when I am not taking care of myself the way I should be, that, like, my room is just, like, in a state of chaos. And I I think it's a really strong indicator. And, like, I've watched a lot of hoarders as well. (laughs) Like, there are things that are going on in their mindset and their brain chemicals Mm -hmm. that are just, like, they know it's wrong. They know it should be different. But they can't accept that. And I think those two women had gone through a lot in their life. Like, look at Big Edie. She can't even let go of the fact that her husband left her. She still thinks that they had this like beautiful, happy marriage. Yeah. And maybe they did in a lot of aspects. But at the end of the day, he remarried some. He divorced you in Mexico, which I'm yeah. not quite sure. I don't understand that. But like it wasn't what she thinks it is. And the same thing can be said for Little Edie. Like she talks about, you know, all these men that she was with in these relationships and how she could have been the first lady, which I just find fascinating that she was <laughs> with Joseph Kennedy. I, I don't know. Uh, but she talks about like this life that she could have had. Or all these men that she's like maybe been entertaining while she's been at Grey Gardens too. And there's no research into that or looking into that. And that could fully be just like things that come out of her mind and come out of her imagination. And I just, I really like, I think they needed help. And so on one part, I love watching this because like they, they are a riot. Like they are doing things that are just like ridiculous. And they seem like they could be so much fun. Like in the scene when they have the two friends over for Big Edie's mm-hmm. birthday and they're just talking and like having cake. They're just like nice, fun ladies or little Edie just like dancing around. Like she loves to swim and dance. Like that's all she wants to do. But when you dig deeper, like there's just, there's a lot of sadness there. Yeah. 
I think that sadness definitely comes from Little Edie, even in the documentary. Like you, t- you can, and this is why I'm not necessarily sure it was mental Ill- illness because Little Edie seems very aware. Like, yes, she says weird things about like, and she dresses really strange and like all of that, but I, she seems more self-aware of her circumstances. Little Edie is also the one that's eating cat food and like giving <laughs> the food to the raccoons too. Yeah, that's very and, true. And like won't let won't let somebody come into the house that's like been helping them around the house. Can we and, talk like, about who is Jerry? I have no idea. <laughs> like what was his function there? I think he was just like a nice kid and he realized that these two women needed help. And like maybe he's from the area, you know, maybe he's like um a townie and just like knows that this is a really beautiful house and it needs to be taken care of and he was just helpful. But that was that this is what I mean that there's things in the movie, even little Edie's alopecia, they don't go over it. They don't talk mm-hmm. about why this woman is wearing like a scarf as hair. Yeah. They don't discuss it and you never see it, and there's no discussion of it. I think is there maybe one point where they talk about her hair falling out? I'm trying to remember how I know about this and if it was whether or not I read it on Wikipedia or it was in the movie itself. Yeah, and that's I what I'm saying. I think I read it on like, Wikipedia. They talk about it a yeah. lot in the the film, the HBO film. Mm-hmm. They make a fine point to talk about it so you understand. Yeah. But in this, and that's what I mean is that I feel like... But this is the source material of that HBO yeah, film, Yeah, and right? I get that. This is only a snapshot of these two women in 1975. Like we, you know... This is sort of the get-go of, like, what sparks people's interest in these two women, and then we can do the research and make this movie years later. But I think what I, th- but I think what I, f- but I'm trying to grapple with is, yes, it was 1975, and this was maybe, like, a first-of-its-kind kind of film, but mm-hmm. even at the time in 1975, you were still making a movie. You were still relaying information, and when you went back, I mean, the filmmakers and watched this, at no point were you, and let's just talk about the alopecia. Were you not like, are people going to ask what is on her head? But I'm also wondering, like, at that time, like, are are these two women, like the Kendall and Jenner and like Gigi Hadid of, of their time, like people just know stuff about them. Like, I don't know why I know. Were they that, that like, big? That's what I'm wondering. Like, we weren't there, so we can't speak to it. But like, before I was watching this, I had said to my dad we're watching great gardens and he asked like what is that and then i was like oh it's like edie bouvier and her daughter and he goes oh yeah jackie's cousin like he knew what that oh, was Kishore knew. yeah Kishore knew. <laughs> um and so like i think it was and Kishore was around in the 70s yeah. so yeah i think people knew who they were like they were you know Popular. kind of the, they were socialites yeah. at that time they were the paris hilton the nicole richie the kim kardashians and so like they're that general idea of like oh yes these two women their last name is bouvier beale they come from this aristocratic family they've had all this privilege in the world and now you know their house is being torn down and taken away from them like what's going on there i think that and like you're saying i think it's difficult to have that perspective, perspective right now or have that knowledge because we don't know if like at the time they were famous enough that you just knew what was happening with them mm-hmm. but also we don't know if it's weird because we were born in a time where the internet and fast information were not common yet i feel like we sit here and are blinded by the fact that currently fast knowledge is is just the norm and we forget mm-hmm. that there was a time where finding out information was really difficult and it was quite you know complicated so even if it was common knowledge that Edie had alopecia and that she wore headscarves yeah 
How? How was that common? And how common was that? Because like, and what defines some information as common in 1975? She was not being filmed or anything, was she? Because this was the movie that essentially launched their story. So before this, was anyone talking about them like this? I mean, I can't answer Yeah, you can't. And like that's, I think for me, I grapple with, I'm confused by that because it is interesting to watch. There's no denying it. This is a very Mm -hmm. fascinating piece of film and it's, I like that it's in the Criterion Collection. I like, like, they they have dis- decided to make this culturally significant. It's the first of its time. Like, yeah. I don't, I can't think of anything that's before that that was, like, similar. Yeah. Yeah. No, and so, I, I, I like that. Don't get me wrong. Like, I like all yeah. those things about it. But I don't know. I, 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 I'm sitting here thinking, like, I think I needed more information while I was watching it. And I yeah. think my feelings now are informed by the HBO movie, whereas... When I finished it, the documentary, I was a little, I I think I was a little underwhelmed. Mm, okay, that's fair. I can get that. And then again, yeah, I'm speaking as somebody who like watched this for the first time in the 21st century and like paused it and went and Googled yeah. something and like looked it up. I did get to watch this in theater though too. Oh, really? Yeah, there was a theater in Toronto and the name is passing me right now, but they, they had played it. A couple of years ago and I went and saw it. But can I just say, Mita, what you did when you enjoyed this was you were able to watch it, pause it, research, come back. In 1975, when you were watching this as a film and that was not an option, how did this movie hit? I mean, I... But am I going to appreciate a movie for like what it was at the time it came out or how I'm experiencing it now? Isn't it a bit of both? Uh, Yeah. and, And I mean... You know, I think it's interesting. Like, if I was in that audience in 1975, I'd be like, well, again, I don't know what they're, yeah. what they were like yeah. in the culture. Like, you know, is it someone like me who does follow things like yeah. this and who, like, knows about these kinds of people and, like, you know, is fascinated by, like, New York socialites? Yeah. High society. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, am I just, like, Joe from Arkansas who's never even heard of Lee Radzuel? Yeah. You know? I think the other interesting thing, and kind of on the flip side, is that I actually feel like the filmmakers have a a soft spot for these characters, and characters, I mean people. I actually mm-hmm. don't think they're trying to be exploitative. I think no, there's I don't definitely think a little all. bit of affection that they have, and you can tell that yeah. in the filmmaking is they're trying to be factual and they're trying to show things, but it doesn't feel disrespectful ever. No, it's just like they want to show the world their these to eccentric women. And I think they're trying to I think they're trying to walk the tightrope of here's how crazy these women are, but here is they are at least I don't get to be quite honest, I don't hear it so much. I don't feel it so much about Big Edie, but you could tell they like little Edie. You could tell that they like her and that they they have a soft spot for her and they feel bad for her and they because a lot the movie focuses a lot more on her than it does on Big Edie. Yeah, and I think but at the end it's that snapshot of like what a mother-daughter relationship is and that at the end of the day like these two women they've been through it. They they fight but at the end of the day, there's still that love and that bond that they have and they can't separate from one another. And if they're going to, you know, be living in this house together, they're doing it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want my sequel prequel? Yes, I do. <laughs> well, so for a prequel, just some sort of context on their family, I think yeah. would be really interesting. But again, like I just feel like for this one, like do the research because the research is fascinating. It is. And you can get into like the biggest wikipedia hole that you've ever found and it's just like a really fun time 
And then if I was going to do a sequel, I mean, like they've made this movie about making this movie. And I actually think that that's like a very good companion mm-hmm. piece for this. So I'm going to watch it again. Um, and I would I would suggest that other people watch that, too. I really do highly recommend if you are going to watch this, watch the HBO like film as well, because I think mm-hmm. the two of them together are very strong. Yeah. I think however good the documentary is with the HBO movie, it actually increases the quality of that because it it provides a lot more context. Yeah. And I think understanding, because I think a lot of things you miss out on in the documentary without the mm-hmm. HBO movie. Should we go into our rating? I think so. I want to know it now. Okay. With the... I will go first. Yes. So obviously I picked this movie because I've seen it before and I've, I've enjoyed it. And I think I go through this like wave of emotion as I'm watching it of like, these two women are fascinating. They're so like quirky and crazy. Oh my gosh, what is happening in that house? That is disgusting. Why are there five cats to like, is this going to be me? And it's kind of like in a way of like going to therapy and like realizing to yourself, like, okay, like I can make changes today that will make sure that I don't wind up like this. <laughs> you just like this as a cautionary tale to like it's understand. a cautionary tale. For everybody to see. The other aspect of this, though, is that, like, this has such a lasting impression on pop culture. There are, you know, so many references. There's a TV show called Documentary Now. Have you ever heard of it? No. It's, like, Fred Armisen and and I think Seth Meyers. And it's it's Fred Armisen sort of, like, recreating Big Eating, Little Eating. It's, like, mm. really fascinating to watch and really enjoyable. And then also, if you're a fan of RuPaul's Drag Race, you obviously know Jinx Monsoon doing Little Edie on the Snatch Game is like is just iconic and so good. And Jinx Monsoon won that Snatch Game and then went on to win the crown that season. So I think that this was just sort of the propeller for it. But it has this lasting impression on the culture and is really a statement that was made in 1975 that I think that people at the time might have not understood what it was. But it's been able to travel through this time. And in today watching it, you know, we can recognize that there are definitely some issues there regarding their mental health and there should have been some care there that wasn't provided. And we can make better decisions today than they were able to in the 70s. And I think it's nice to have that to watch and Mm -hmm. to see and to live through. And so for Grey Gardens, I'm going to give it three and a half stars. Oh, really? really, That's a lot lower than I thought you were going to give. Oh, you thought I was going to do like a four or five? Yeah. No, because at least it's also a, four. I was honestly super confident that you were going to go with four. It's also a documentary, right? <laughs> which like <laughs> which instantly makes it less worthy of your rating. Because like when I think about what's a documentary's purpose, it's to teach me something, right? Yeah. This isn't so much teaching me something except how to like not become a recluse, yeah. <laughs> but more of like this is you know an introspect into somebody else's life. Mm-hmm. And a time in history that, you know, I find fascinating and a different perspective. I think when we think about, you know, Camelot and we look at those stories, we just think about the Kennedys and what they did in history and sort of the sadness that's followed their family Mm -hmm. since then. And this is such a different, you know, vantage point that we've never kind of seen before of like, what if you are part of, you know, a family that is in high society involved with these things but then things start to fall apart and what happens Mm -hmm. and so like i you know i appreciate that but i also don't think that like it is the best form of art i've ever seen so i'm not going to give it something close to a a five or a four but a three and a half is a seven out of ten and i feel like that that is justified okay 
Again, I'm a little surprised because I was expecting it to be higher. That doesn't mean I don't like no, it. No, for sure. It's just absolutely. not like my highest rated movie. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. fair. I, Your turn. I think I like this maybe then more than I'm coming off because okay. I actually didn't dislike this. I actually thought it was really interesting to watch. I did think it's an hour and a half and I do find that it, I don't think it meanders, but I don't think it holds my attention. I think this is one of those things as a documentary, you can watch this piecemeal. You don't need to sit there and watch this mm-hmm. in like an hour and a half. You can really turn it on for 20 minutes and turn it off. And like, you're not, you're not connected to anything. It is really just like a, a snapshot into these women's life because the one other thing that I couldn't stop but thinking was like, this is the best footage of everything they shot. This is the best of it. And that's neither here nor there. I'm not saying it was bad footage or that it was great footage. I'm just saying this was it. So what does that mean? What was on the cutting room floor? Like of what we saw of these women, this was the stuff that was most interesting. And I can see there's like two major fights that the EDs have and why those made it in here because they think they give the most insight into the relationships. Whereas everything else is, it's fly on the wall. This is the biggest, I think, definition of fly on the wall. Mm -hmm. And I think... More than the documentary itself, I think it's the impression it left. I think Grey Gardens is synonymous with being like hoarders and gross. And like, you know, if I told Mitha, Mitha, you're looking like you're living in Grey Gardens right now. You know exactly what I'm referring to. You know what I mean? Like it has that that quality and that ability. I joked about the Criterion Collection, like this this film being a part of the Criterion Collection. But you can kind of see why it is. Like Mm. it's not, this isn't any documentary from the 70s. This isn't insignificant. This is a significant piece of filmmaking and it is a significant piece of American filmmaking. And I think that's really crucial to remember that these are American socialites and their fall from grace when Kennedy was assassinated. There's a lot of history really mixed in there. And I think the, the movie itself is trying to talk about the decay of Camelot. Like this really does signify the end of that era in the most dramatic fashion. And so I think yeah. for all those things, it is it is interesting to watch. As a piece on its own, it is hard to understand. It is really quite hard to understand and as a result, hard to pay attention to. I think with the internet and then the HBO series kind of combined, you get the full image. And those things, especially the HBO movie, when you watch them together, I think you really understand it's two things. You really understand what's happening in the documentary and you really see how good of an actress Drew Barrymore is more than anything. Yeah. And like, we're not here to review that movie, but Drew Barrymore is so good in that film. And she captures mm-hmm. the like the nuances and the physicality and like all of that in that movie so well, because Little Edie is not easy to play. It's a really complex humanization like she's a she's a very difficult person to mimic and drew barrymore does a great job and as a result i think it makes you understand and empathize with little edie as a human being more so Mm -hmm. if you are going to watch this watch them together don't just watch the documentary on its own because you'll be like what is going on but despite me sounding like i didn't like it i did enjoy it i actually do recommend it and i am going to give it three stars three there we go i just had a a thought that popped into my mind though I do think that this is also like the catalyst into looking into that dark side of the Kennedys because like we now know things about like how the father was abusive and like what he did to his daughters and whatnot. And I think if we didn't have this, I don't think anybody would have ever looked into those things. And I think that it's important that we understand that like, yes, they were idolized and this was like a really high point in, in the in the world and in society, but there is other things behind that and they are not perfect and perfect 
being perfect doesn't exist. And I think that that's um, really important as well. Yeah. And I think this is a real example of what happens when the image of perfection is shattered. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just enjoy the Edies. The Edies. They're, yeah. They're a time. But Mitha. Yeah. That was Great Gardens. It was Great Gardens. Gigi. And in many ways, this is <laughs> also the next movie. The next four movies are going to be all Mita movies because we are moving into spooky season. Spooky season! Our next episode. <laughs> I'm so excited for spooky season. Our next four episodes are all going to be Halloween themed because it is. they're all releasing in October. And like we did with season one, they're all going to be Halloween themed. And I have the privilege of picking our first Halloween movie. So exciting. Are you ready for it, I'm Mita? nervous. I think so. We're going to play... Different characters, same world. Okay. okay. This is going to be hard. Because oh, our first Halloween movie is actually going to be a foreign film. Oh, great. It's like an Asian <laughs> horror movie. I can already tell. <laughs> is it The Ring? <laughs> we are watching Ringu. Okay. You're not going to get this. There's just no way you're going to get this, but okay. we're still going to play the game. Okay, there is one major clue I'm going to give you. Okay. The movie is directed by a duo. Okay. So I'm going to give you one character, two from the directors, one from each director. Okay. Okay? Okay. This is tough. Okay. Because, like, I've done some weird movies and I've still managed to find things. This is... I'm like really, really, really okay. having a difficult time with this one. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm giving you Lydia Suchanow. I'm giving you Laura Hall. Okay. And I'm giving you Anna Maria. This wow. is tough, and I'm really sorry. And once you guess and once we get there, I'll explain why this was especially tough. But uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> those are your three characters. And your timer starts now. Suchanow. Is it like a German last name? Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> who's German? Um, besides the obvious. Uh, I don't know any German people. This is so hard. Tina Fey? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well done. No, it is not Tina Fey. 30 seconds. Uh, what are German horror movies? Is it a German horror movie? Yes, it is. Is it like Hansel and Gretel or something? No, it is not. <laughs> Can I ask like for clues? Sorry. I mean, you were ask, you've been asking clues right now. You've got 10 seconds. Is it though. like the, in the, is it the 70s, the 80s, the no, 90s? It's the 2000s. It's the 2000s? Yeah. Oh. And that's time. Is it that one about moms? What's it called? You, we did it in one of our Instagram. Good night, mommy. We are watching Good Night, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Give me a million dollars. <laughs> I mean, you connected it because when I like a movie, I make it very obvious, and I put it you in Instagram, do. and I do that. But well done. I'm glad you remember that. So I'll there tell you, go. Lydia Suchanow is from the Netflix series Parfum. Okay. And then. Laura Hall is actually Alicia Silverstone in The Lodge, which was directed by one of the directors, Severin Fiala. Okay. And then Anna Maria was Maria Hofstetter in Paradise Faith, 
which was directed by the other director, Veronica Franz. And so Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala directed Goodnight Mommy, which stars Suzanne Woost. Woost. And the reason this was super difficult was because there are actually three characters and two of them don't have other credits. Okay. (laughs) At all? At all, yeah. Um, Where am I finding Goodnight Mommy? It's on, you can rent it from YouTube. From YouTube? Okay. It's an hour 40 minutes. It is German and it is a horror movie. Lovely. Okay. Okay. I'm excited. Starting us off interestingly. I think the fact that I guessed it is like. Yeah, that is, I'm impressed. I'm happy. Yeah. There we go. Well done, Mitha. I have a good memory. Yeah. So Good Night Mommy <laughs> is our movie next week. Before we leave this week, Mitha, we need to pick a quote because there were too many <laughs> quotes. Okay, I think I have one. Do you? Yeah, just because I think I can do the voice. Okay. <laughs> okay. Mother wanted me to come out in a kimono. <laughs> no, I can't no, do it. No, you can't do it. <laughs> mother, mother. <laughs> like. <laughs> also, my favorite line is when she says, this is the revolutionary costume. Okay, you tell you do that then. You do it. No, this is your I, just, I think I just yeah. did it. Okay, that's <laughs> is that the line? The title, then. <laughs> so should I do it again, like officially? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> this is the revolutionary costume. <laughs> I hope the mic picked that up. I think it did. You it's a pretty sensitive good. mic, okay. but she whispers it, and I love that line. And I remember. Yeah, that was that was better. <laughs> okay. I also like that was the line where I was just like, "What am I watching?" Yeah. Also, why is she whispering? You need to know we're currently listening for T for two, two for T. T for two and two for two. I love it. I love them. I love them, and I I feel for them, and I wish them well. I hope they're they're good doing whatever they're doing right now. They're dead. But I don't know what the afterlife is. I don't like. Who knows? Maybe they're they've been reincarnated. Maybe they're you and me. Oh my god. I call Little Edie. <laughs> oh my god, but Big Edie was a bitch. I didn't like her. I think she's just misunderstood. No, I think I she's think miserable she... and she was self-centered Imagine... and selfish. <laughs> okay. Maybe that's just Jessica Lang. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and... Great and review. And we will see you next week for our first movie of spooky season. Good night, Mommy. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by no one. You can follow us on Instagram at Movies to Watch Pod, on Twitter at Movies the Number Two Watch Pod, on the TikTok at Movies to Watch Pod, or send us an email at Movies to Watch Pod at gmail.com. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon. Nobody near us to see us or hear us No friends or relations on weekend vacations We won't have it known here